morning, church. Let's try it again. Good morning, church. <laughs> and hello to everybody who's not in the room. Such a beautiful day today. <laughs> yeah. We need the rain, so don't complain when it starts. I really appreciate your having me here today. Before I actually break into the word, I have a question that I don't really want you to answer, but I'd be interested in knowing, <laughs> and like I said, I don't really want the answer, how many of you know someone who's been in prison? Or how many of you have been in prison yourself? And as much as that thing was going around on Facebook years ago about putting our elderly in prison, if you have any exposure to prison, it's not a good idea. It's not. Paul writes these amazing letters to us from prison. Now, several years ago, I was blessed to be able to go with Mike Walker in the footsteps of Paul. And we ended up in Rome and saw where they believe Paul was imprisoned. And basically, it was a room dug out of dirt and they kind of dropped him in. I mean, there weren't stairs. So that's where he was. I would imagine it was not very light in there, and we believe that Paul had eye issues. Um, so I imagine all his writing he did by candle, um, oil lamp. When we read his letters, do we think about where he is when he's writing? And if we do, I think the impact on us would be much greater because he's not writing from the beach somewhere. I personally love to sit by the ocean and write. He's not doing that. He's not even in the Smokies watching the pretend stuff rise. He's not doing that. He's in a hole in the ground, in prison. And prison in those days was very different than now. Part of our tour, and I'm just putting this in here, we got to go to Patmos, where John was imprisoned and wrote Revelation. Now, his was more of a cave. He could walk out his door and see the ocean. Uh, Patmos now is very civilized. Then it would have been a prison island. No plants, no food. Everything was brought into them and yet God inspired him. So if we're feeling today like God can't inspire us, maybe we're still in a little bit of prison ourselves, allowing our lives to be a prison. I'm gonna be reading to you from Philippians 3, but let's pray. Father God, King of the universe, these are your words. You inspired Paul to write them you have made sure that they have come to us generations later. And these are important, Father. They are life-changing, Father, if we accept them as from you. And so as we break open your word today, may your Holy Spirit speak to each one of us and allow us to hear what we need to hear, you. And we just praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to begin at verse 10. 
as soon as I find it. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus first, possessed me. I want to know him. I want to know him. When I first became a Christian, and I was raised in church, so I knew all the stories, but when I first said yes to Jesus, and I walked that aisle and accepted the work of the cross to forgive my sins, I wanted to know him. I wanted to know, what did he really look like? Because I was pretty sure the guy with the Roman nose and the long, that wasn't him. I mean, he's Jewish for Pete's sake, and they don't have perfect noses, most of them. <laughs> it's just, you know, um, I assumed he would have been darker complex. I wanted to know. So I started looking, and I looked in Josephus, and Josephus does describe him as having light eyes. Light brown, light blue, what kind of light, you know? I had a hard time finding any kind of physical description of Jesus. So I had to get to know him without ever seeing him. So what did I want to know? What did I want to know? I want to know what was the culture like that he grew up in? Did they have the same problems we do? Yeah, pretty much. Not quite as fast-paced, but sin back then is no different than sin today. And there he was, walking with, talking with, eating with sinners. And then we have Paul, who explains and says about himself he's the chiefest of sinners. I'm going to give him a probably, because we don't really have a lot of people in Scripture that are massacring Jews. And he kind of liked that. He got off on that, because after all, he was a very well-educated, very well-advanced Pharisee. And everybody knew that Pharisees had all the answers. Just like people think pastors have all the answers. Surprise, we do not. Neither did they. And so Paul is persecuting him. And I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. And yet God met him where he was on a road to Damascus. I think most of us in this room, if we've experienced Christ, he met us where we were. I mean, we didn't get all gussied up and go to church and say, I want to meet Jesus. You know, we might have gone to church, but was that our plan from the beginning? Very few of us went expecting to know. But here's Paul, who had such an experience with him, and years later is in prison, and here's what he says. I want to know Christ and experience the power that raised him from the dead. I do not believe Paul meant he wanted to die. What I believe he meant is he wanted to die to self. He wanted to be able to let go of his sin in order to know Christ more. 
And I think most of us have experienced that when we know Christ, fortunately for us, he doesn't say, well, I'm just going to clean everything out of your life because we'd probably all have heart attacks. He does it carefully and lovingly and slowly. He reveals the more we get to know him, our sin. And guess what? We die to self. And that's what Paul is after. From prison? I mean, what could he possibly have happening that affected his life? He's in a hole in the ground. Paul understood this is a spiritual thing. He understood that it's about our interior relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is when he goes on to say, I want to suffer with him. I don't know a person alive today that really wants to suffer with Christ. I know people that will accept the suffering that sometimes comes into their lives because Jesus is there with them, because the Holy Spirit ministers comfort. But I don't know that I've ever met a person that says, I want to suffer with Christ. What would that even mean? People coming against us, people persecuting us, do we really want that in our lives? Personally, I'm at the point now in my life where I enjoy the peace that surrounds me. You know, um, not that there isn't drama in the family, there is. Every family has some sort of drama going on. But by and large, my life is peaceful. And every now and then, God says, well, maybe you're getting a little too comfortable in that. And he shakes it up. So one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. See, he, Paul gets it. In our sin, we're dead. We're dead in our sin. Paul gets that. And he wants resurrection. He wants to be delivered from it. And he goes on to say that hasn't happened yet, but I'm getting there. Salvation is a process. And I know that we have sort of led people to believe you say yes to Christ and you're saved. And you actually are, but actual salvation is a process. It's a working out. Paul knew that. He goes on. No, dear brothers and sisters, and this is from 13 and 16. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. What do you know, an honest man, Diogenes would be proud. I have not achieved it. Neither have I. I mean, I'm working on it, but I have not achieved it. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Seriously, do you know what people have done to me and God is saying I need to forget that? Forgetting the past? And we might be good at forgetting our own, but as a church, are we good at forgetting others? Pass? Now, I asked that question because I know a gentleman, a young man, who ended up in prison. Um, how can I say this? For a socially unacceptable crime. And he wasn't killing people, but it involved children. And in prison, he came to know the Lord. Right? And I mean seriously came to know the Lord. And yet he is not welcome in our churches. So, forgetting the past, how good are we at that? I ask that question a lot. I know personally, I'm not... I, Satan likes to grab us in a memory, 
and sort of twist that memory. And the dumbest things will set it off sometimes. But Jesus says, and Paul says, forget it. You can't do anything about it anyway, Barb. Forget it. So it's practicing that. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This isn't just somebody's idea that the church should be like this. This is Christ calling us to do so. He is calling us to be more. He's calling us to love those that we might find a little bit unlovable. And usually that starts with ourselves. He's calling us first to say, I've been forgiven. And if the God of the universe loves me, who am I to hang on to that stuff? My neighbor has been forgiven. And if the God of the universe sees fit to do that, then who am I to hang on to their stuff? Paul gets that. It is for which God, through Jesus Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. <laughs> I when I first became a Christian, I found Paul to be irritating. I don't know how else to say that. I felt like this was one arrogant, big-feeling disciple of Christ. Because he talked a lot about what he knew. And he was, he was intelligent. He was well-educated. Sometimes that matters to people. I'm not even going to go any farther with that. <laughs> However, the more I read... And the more I prayed as I read, I, became, I came to understand his confidence isn't in his brain. His confidence isn't in who he was. His confidence is in Christ Jesus, who delivered him and made him whole. Where's our confidence today? Now, there, go to a bookstore. You'll see all these things on self-help. Self will not help self. <laughs> Only Jesus, the creator of this universe, is what will change us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Oh boy. <laughs> but what if I'm right? Well, God will make it plain to you. And I could be wrong. I do not like that thought. I do not like to have that pointed out. But if God makes it plain to me, that's what it is. And I can't change it. And he will make it plain to us. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Two steps forward, one step back. You still got the one step. Keep going. Hang on to the spiritual progress. Progress, pardon me. 
I pastored at Progress, and they corrected me. Um, <laughs> the progress you've made. The question becomes, am I the same today as I was when I said yes to Christ? Has anything changed for me? Have I made progress with his Holy Spirit, through his Holy Spirit? Because I can only make so much on my own. And then I get frustrated because it's not happening the way I'd like. But through the power of God's Holy Spirit, things are different. And if they're not, I would challenge everyone today, and this to myself as well, because this is a challenge I have, look at yourself deeply. Where has Christ brought you from? And where are you expecting Christ to take you to? And does Christ agree with your expectation? Is that the plan he has? And those are tough questions to answer. Paul figured it out. He figured it out. In prison, in a hole in the ground, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you can't, uh, I can't blame my circumstances. Neither can you. Because... I am not a hole in the ground. I can be stuck in a hole emotionally. I can be stuck in a hole spiritually. I can be stuck in a hole of my own making because I choose to stay there. But I can still be what Christ wants me to be if I choose to. And it is a matter of choice. He goes on, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your life after mine. I don't think, I, he doesn't mean we should get arrested, okay? <laughs> so that's not, when he says pattern your life after mine, he's not talking about ending up in prison. <laughs> pattern your life after mine and learn from those who follow our example. I was blessed um, when I came to know Christ there was a couple in our church um, who, how can I, tolerated us, I guess is the best word. Uh, they discipled us. I mean, we could be at their house on a Friday night until 2, 3 a.m. I like going to a bar till like 2 a.m. and just learning about Christ. They tolerated us. We went into their house one night and they had sleeping bags on their kitchen counter and said they were for us because we never go home. <laughs> we kind of got the point, so we started leaving at like 11. But they were so interesting to talk to because they were Christ followers and we weren't sure how to do it. My ex-husband had never been in church. I at least had Sunday school background. I don't remember my pastor growing up ever talking about Christ, which is salvation, I should say repentance. I don't ever remember him talking about that. It wasn't until I was older and got into an assembly, and that's all they talk about, is <laughs> you need to repent, you need to be born again. This couple, we would open the word of God in their home and talk about what it says. 
and they never seemed to tire of talking about Jesus because of the difference he made in their lives. Has he made that kind of difference in ours? My family has determined that I'm a little weird because it's hard to have a conversation with me about much else. I don't do sports. <laughs> I just never have. Um, I mean, I go to baseball games and football games like anybody else, but I don't have a team I follow. It's not my thing. But if you want to sit and talk to me about what Jesus has done in your life, I'm your gal. I want to know him. I really want to know him. And because of that, I have started attending Shar, Shar Shalom, which is a Messianic Jewish service on Saturdays. Because Jesus was a Jew, and as a young woman said to me once, you might know the Old Testament, but we are the Old Testament, because they're Jewish. And so to sit under this rabbi's teaching, who will take things from the Old Testament that I don't necessarily see, and then I have to go home and look up, and bring it forward into the New Testament and talk about how Christ is at work in our lives based on the Word of God is just fascinating to me because I'm not good at that. I'm not good at taking the Old Testament and bringing it forward. It's not my gifting. It definitely is his because I want to know. I want to know what Jesus was raised on. And he was raised on the Torah. I want to know. Paul knew. <laughs> he just knew. He did. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Does it bring tears to our eyes when we know someone is lost? Does it bring tears to our eyes knowing? My daughter called me yesterday. My son-in-law and my daughter have a, a, a booth, I guess is what they call it. I mean, that they set up at Biker Week in Gettysburg. Um, they're bikers. My daughter is a biker babe. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they had a young lady come up to them yesterday that said to them, Do you remember me? No. <laughs> well, three years ago, you helped me. I had a trike, and I was having trouble with it, and you got it started for me, and you told me the best way to keep this from happening again. You don't remember that. No. You talked to me about Jesus. And he said, probably. <laughs> she said, I accepted Christ, and I wanted you to know it. Now, it wasn't because of what he did, because she didn't say, you're the one responsible for me knowing Christ. But she went on to say, there's apparently a Christian motorcycle association. And she went to them 
and they told her she could not become a member even though she had accepted Christ because she was still living with a boyfriend. Now, rather than take her under their wing and teach her this is not acceptable, they just point blank said, sorry, can't bring you in, you're still in sin. I do not believe that that is Christ-like. My son-in-law explained to her what they meant. He translated for them in a gentler, kinder way. And she asked the question, am I still a Christian? And he said, yes, we all grow at different rates. And God takes the sin in our life away one thing at a time. But now you know. And so now you must make a choice. And she thanked him for talking to her like that. And she walked away. And he said, I'm not responsible for how she chooses. I'm only responsible for reminding her that Jesus loves her in her sin like he did me. I thought that was interesting. He also encountered a young man that said he didn't know anything about Jesus. Why would he want to read about him? He didn't. You know, the only time he heard his name is when somebody was swearing. Why would he want to read about him? When my son-in-law was finished talking to him, he took a Bible. Will he read it? Paul gets it. It brings tears to his eyes when someone doesn't know Christ. I feel almost certain we have family members, friends, that don't know Christ, does it bring tears to our eyes? The way they're hurting the cause of Christ? They're headed for destruction. I get that. I was headed for destruction before I said yes to Jesus. The Bible's very clear on that. Only ever had one person. And what they said to me was, your kids are going to go to hell because of the way you live. That's what they said. Not a good approach. Really not. Um, basically threw the guy out of the house. Come on. Was it true? Maybe. But once we came to know Christ my children's chances increased exponentially, can I say that? <laughs> to coming to know Christ, and they have. And they are 49 and 51 years old. Yes, two years old. She'll be 52 this year. And they are walking with the Lord. Was it because of the choice we made? Maybe. It was a strong influence because we believed. And we talked about him in our rising up and our laying down and told him, hey, you're watching this TV show. How does that glorify God? Ask them, they'll tell you. We drove them crazy. They couldn't even watch TV in peace. <laughs> now, we didn't do that every time, but when we had opportunity, you know, it was, uh, it was still the Holy Spirit that calls. It's the Holy Spirit that calls. Paul got that. 
Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. We've met them. They think only about this life here on earth. I always tell people I'm just passing through. And I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to heaven. I mean, I realize it could be tomorrow. But, you know, I'm going to be 70 in February. I'm getting closer. And as a young person said to me, you're looking back more than you're looking ahead. You got that wrong. I am looking ahead. I'm looking ahead to sit at Jesus' feet. I'm looking ahead to be able to glorify my God all day long. I'm looking ahead to that. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Amen? We get it that we're in the kingdom now? We get that? When you say yes to Christ, you're automatically in the kingdom. And there's something he needs us to do. But we look forward. I look forward to seeing him face to face. And I'm pretty sure I won't care what he looks like. Fact, I'm positive. <laughs> and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Are we? I mean, are we? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of talk out there now about we're in the last days. I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> I mean, we can see the signs in the scripture, but Christ made it clear. Only the Father knows. Why are we worrying about this? It's silly to worry about it. Now, if it gives us the energy and the motivation to talk more about Christ, to, to be more... Um, to be better at, to be, I can't think of the word even, to, to purposely go and talk to people about Christ. If that does that for us, then yay. If we really believe we're, we're in the last days and it motivates us to talk to people about who Jesus is, use it. Do it. Don't wait. Paul goes on. And like I said, I've learned to like him. <laughs> we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Boy, am I looking forward to that. Uh, don't laugh, you are too. <laughs> and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We don't serve a wussy God. We serve a God of might. We serve a God of power. And we serve a God that answers prayer. Maybe not always the way we want it answered. Sometimes he says, just wait, let me work. We're not good at waiting. We're Americans. We want it yesterday. And God says, just wait. Let me work. It's not an easy path when we choose to follow Jesus. If anyone tells you it is, they have lied to you. Because he expects transformation from us. 
He expects that we will change because we get to know him. And we realize that my own righteousness is as filthy rags. And it's him that makes me valuable. It's him, not myself. It's important to be in community. It's important to encourage one another. It's important to tell people what Jesus has done for you this week. If I asked anyone here, what did Jesus do for you this week? Do we have a mindset that would say, well, you should have been there because this is what he did. It's not easy. You know, it's just not easy. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know who he is. I want to know what he expects of me. And that can be a little scary. I've always been afraid he'd send me to Africa, and I don't know why. <laughs> but I discovered what he expects of me, personally, because I am an evangelist, is to tell people about Jesus. So don't get stuck in the grocery store line with me, because I will turn the conversation that way. All you've got to do is say hi. We will eventually end up at Jesus. <laughs> it's what we do. It's not everybody's gift. And that's okay. If, if you're a prayer warrior, thank you. You can't imagine what a blessing it is to know that people are praying. I had this crazy guy meet me backstage to hug me and tell me he was praying for me. Christians are nuts in the best possible way. Do you want to know him? Do we want to know him more? Hang on to the process we've already made. And keep loving him. Because he's always going to love us. No matter how many times <laughs> we trip up or no many, how many times we feel like we've disappointed him. Here it is. Paul says it. He's Christ died for us. He went to that cross. He endured that torture. He endured his father turning his back on him for us. As a friend of mine would say, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we just thank you. We thank you for your word we thank you that we have this to inspire our lives, that we have this to be able to hold up in, as a mirror to us in how we do in God. We thank you that you cared so much for us that you sent your son so that we might be in a right relationship with a holy God, something that's beyond our comprehension. But we love you, Lord. Teach us each day how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.